I'm Trillia Newbell, and this is Stories of Sacred Endurance, a podcast about persevering in Christ through the ups, downs, challenges, heartbreaks, and journey of life. Every episode, we will talk to a fellow saint who can teach us something important about enduring in the faith. Tom and Linda Strode, both 67, met at First Baptist Church in Little Rock and were married in 1978. Tom is a correspondent for Baptist Press and works at the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. For the last 21 years, he also has been a pastor of Covenant Community Church, a small Southern Baptist fellowship in Fredericksburg. Linda was an elementary school teacher after graduation, then an activities ministry associate for First Baptist Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. After homeschooling her children for 11 years, she worked as a Bible teacher, a librarian, and guidance counselor at a Christian school in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Linda and her daughter, Catherine Parks, co-authored the 2014 book, A Christ-Centered Wedding. They have two children, Aaron, who lives with his wife, Laura, and two daughters in Spokane, Washington. And as already mentioned, Catherine, who lives in the Nashville area with her husband, Eric, and their two children. Welcome to the podcast. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. The reason I wanted you guys on is because I wanted people who are living faithfully and what we are all living, but uniquely ordinary lives. And I think that the Lord has just um, given you guys what we we all strive for, to live quietly and faithfully before our Lord. But because we don't, I don't know if I've ever heard your testimony, I'd love to start there. Would you share each of you your testimony of how you came to know the Lord? Sure, and I'll Tom pointed to me, so I'll start. Okay. <laughs> um, I was raised in a Christian home and several times walked the aisle for um, salvation. The first time I went forward, I had a friend kind of prodding me. If I didn't walk forward in that particular little revival we were having, I would be the only one that wasn't baptized. And looking back, I don't believe I was saved. No one really talked to me about um, what I was doing why I was doing it. I just knew it's what everyone did, and then I was going to be baptized. Went to a Christian college, did not live a faithful life at all. There was no form of godliness or holiness in my life. And the day I graduated from college, um, I went back to my apartment that night. I had already graduated and was living with a friend in Little Rock and felt like God just totally broke my heart for him. Mm. And I literally was on my face before him, and God radically changed my life from that point forward. And he's been very faithful. (laughs) Mm. And so you were in college then. So how old were you when you... Um, I was 22, actually. It was the day I graduated from college that I was saved. Mm. Okay, our testimonies are really similar, except for I didn't grow up in church, but I became a Christian at 22, and it was right before I graduated from college, so that's really encouraging. (laughs) And how about you, Tom? Well, my testimony is similar uh, to Linda's. Um, I grew up in a home uh, where my parents took my brother and me faithfully to church, uh, just Pretty much every time there was a meeting, uh, it was a Southern Baptist church there in the town we grew up in. 
And, uh, and I walked the aisle when I was about nine years old and was baptized after that, but had doubts uh, in the years that followed. And after graduating from college, I moved to Little Rock and was in a church, same church Linda was in, and uh, uh, you know, really continued to doubt. And um, But I was seeing people whose lives had been changed, and I was um, recognizing something in their lives that I didn't see uh, really in mine. And uh, in the midst of doubt, one time, I just, uh, one afternoon, I was at work at the newspaper office where I worked, and uh, and I just uh, took some time, stepped into another room, and uh, by God's grace, I think that was the point at which I really put my hope and trust in Jesus um, to save me, alone to save me. So what and, happened uh, in that room? <laughs> well, <laughs> I just I, I went into that room intentionally because I knew I needed to pray. I felt like I, you know, I need to do something here, and I actually didn't realize at the point that point I was thinking I was gaining assurance. But I go back to that as the point at which conversion actually happened, at which by God's grace, I actually put my trust in Christ. And uh, and I, one of the ways that was reflected, I think, in the years, or I guess even the weeks and months ahead, there was a conviction of sin, uh, of specific sins that I hadn't really experienced before and uh, recognized you know, the, those as things I needed to go to uh, God with uh, to ask for his forgiveness and, uh, and trust him for that cleansing. And so, you know, God's been so gracious and so faithful all these years, and I'm thankful. There was a lot I didn't know at that point when I was, it was about the time I turned 23 when, uh, when I was saved, and uh, God's been merciful all this time. Okay, so I'm still stuck on the room because you were, <laughs> you were having doubts. And I just would love to hear a little bit more about that because you're, you're doubting God, which I'm assuming you mean doubting he exists. Doubt, so I'd love for you to— Oh, no. No. Okay. Yeah. So doubting, what, what were you doubting? I'm just doubting whether I was truly— a Christian, whether oh, I was truly saved. Okay. And so that's what, you know, was going, had been going on with me for a long time. And of course, m- much of that time, those years between when I walked the aisle and was baptized as a nine-year-old in a Baptist church and and when uh, I truly put my trust in Christ, there obviously there wasn't doubt all the time. Most Much of the time, I just didn't think about it. You know, and I was depending on something that really wasn't dependable, and uh, and that is something I had done rather than trusting in Jesus Himself to save me. Okay, so your your struggle was, am I good enough? Am I actually living for Him? Would that be or, or right or uh, really whether I had actually had believing faith? you know, whether what I had done. And I don't, looking back then, as time passed, I realized I really never, there was no saving faith Mm -hmm. that I had experienced. I wasn't trusting in what Christ had done at all. Hmm. Well, as um, as someone who's 22, uh, who got, became a Christian at the age of 22, but now is raising her children in church, that is one of the things that I 
um, wrestle with all the time for them. I just want to mm-hmm. make sure, yeah, I think um, I don't want them to be baptized 15 times. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I want them to... I was baptized three. Oh, uh, yeah. 15, but I was baptized three times. <laughs> exactly. And so I, I do, I have this desire for them to believe on their own or to know Christ. It's, and and right. I wonder if there's probably other people, of course, I have to entrust this to the Lord and relax a bit. But there is this kind of tension I feel um, as I'm watching them grow and say things that are Christ-like and and want to Mm -hmm. affirm it in them, but yet, um, yeah, it's just this confusing kind of, okay, Lord, you have to do what you do, and, and I have to entrust you with it. And so this... I don't want to go down a rabbit trail, but but I do. You have two children who both are Christians, yes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. How did you all um, work that out and raise them so that they they would adopt the faith, if you will, for their own, for themselves? How did you all handle that? Because you both became Christians at 23 and 22. So how did you work that out? Sharing that, Trillia, we were, I was thinking, you know, what you're sharing about your own children, uh, you know, is similar to what we experienced, you know, because especially because of our experience, you know, we, we wanted to be sure. Um, and so we didn't want to push them at all. Uh, we wanted them to, um, you know, obviously trust in Christ at a young age, but it indeed to be something that that relationship that they had actually entered into by God's grace and not something they felt like, well, they should do because their parents and have done it. And, uh, and so I think, you know, praying and, and I would just say, and I've said this a number of times, you know, uh, God's, it, it's all God's grace in our children's lives. I made so many mistakes and could have done so much better. Um, but I see that, uh, God and his grace, you know, saved them when they were children and mm. they're growing and continuing to grow and live lives that manifest from what all we can tell, uh, his saving work in their lives. And they're married to people who are doing the same and so it's you know it is, it is difficult you're praying and just you know i think the best thing is you know you look for fruit um and uh you encourage them and you pray for them obviously a lot and uh, and desire that they understand the gospel and trust in jesus alone to save them i think walking humbly before your children mm-hmm. is really important I think confessing when you sin and them seeing that you also struggle to obey God. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, And giving them the freedom to fail and to pray with them and to encourage them and to point them to the gospel that only Christ was perfect. You know, I think we made a mistake early on of really living this legalistic (laughs) life that it was about what we look like on the outside, not what God was doing on the inside. And I think it's crucial that your children see you as a real human being who is in desperately 
has a great desperate need for the gospel yourself, and that it's a day-to-day, moment-to-moment walk with Him. Mm. And I think parenting that and letting them see, hey, I mess up too, you know, and this is this is grace, this is accountability, this is um, it's what the Christian life is. Mm. No, that's really that's really good, and it's, it's encouraging. I was <laughs> uh, the other day on my computer, and I was working on a talk or something. I don't know what I was doing, and I got frustrated not by what I was doing, but by something else. And and I let some frustration slip out of my mouth, and my daughter came up to me and said, "So, Mom, it seems like you were." angry about this and I'm just trying to work this out you're working on a Christian talk (laughs) and I was like yes and so I'm confessing and I and I just told her you know mommy needs Jesus too so I guess I'm doing okay guys (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing okay with the walking real with my kids yeah it was really it was funny and humbling but um it was also a good opportunity to repent and ask for forgiveness Mm. and um yeah and so there is something unique about in during in the faith while you're also raising children. And you can tell us a little bit about your lives, because I, I know I sent these questions. I sent you guys questions before, and I wrote this the term, the uh, this little sentence. You've lived a fairly simple life. Now, that's my assumption just from knowing you guys. But what has your life looked like? What have you been doing? I know, Tom, you're in ministry, and you continue to be in ministry. When did that happen? Because you're also a journalist. And Linda, I believe you've been at home, but you've also written books. So what does that look, what does your day-to-day life look like or has looked like over the course of these years? Um. Well, I taught school. I was a school teacher. And after Tom started, I mean, before he went to seminary, we had our first child, Aaron, and he was two. And then we had Catherine when he was in seminary. And when it came time to put our kids in school, we had a choice. This was back in 85 when no one was homeschooling. And there were only two choices for curricula. It was Bob Jones or Becca. And we decided at that time that we were going to homeschool. So I spent 11 years homeschooling. And then taught in a Christian school, taught uh, high school Bible, was guidance, did some guidance work, librarian. And then the last several years, it's just been supporting my husband, the church, uh, our families. As our parents have gotten older, they've needed more care and more time from us. And the love of what I what I really, really like to do is teach women's Bible study. Mm. And we just have a really sweet group of ladies in our church, and sometimes it's been in our neighborhood, and just investing in people, spending one-on-one time. It's really about our—so much of our life is about relationships, and you have to spend time with people, just like you have to spend time with the Lord to know Him. You have to spend time with people. You know— um What's been a theme on the podcast is that you can't really endure without people, without community. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not surprising to hear that confirmed once again, that you can't live in isolation. You can't and and continue to walk. And what about you, Tom? When did you start ministry work? Well, um, when I was a sports writer and uh, editor at a, and the copy editor at a newspaper in Little Rock, I 
not long after I was saved, I sensed the call to go into ministry, gospel vocational ministry, and um, and struggled with that for quite a while. Um, we got married and was still, you know, that would come back to me. And so we prayed about it and, and really sensed that God was leading me to go to seminary. And uh, so I went to seminary in Memphis, Tennessee, and Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary and was there and then worked on a church staff there. And so um, I, even though I'd been a journalist, I never left that totally. I was still in a lot. We were in a large church and I was doing things in the journalism area part time in seminary and then stayed on for five years after that to do um, um, pastoral work there. And then uh, had the opportunity to come to uh, uh, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission at that time for the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, It's been almost 30 years ago up here in D.C. And, uh, um, you know, so our, our lives changed quite a bit at that point. I was commuting in, you know, every day and wasn't at home as much, um, but I was home in the evenings. And uh, and you're right. I mean, I think our life is pretty simple life. We were heavily involved in a church uh, here in Fredericksburg, Virginia, where we still live, and uh, teaching a Bible study class on Sunday morning, involved in other aspects of ministry. And our children were growing up at that time. And then um, some of us actually started a church then 21 years ago here in Fredericksburg, and I've been pastoring that church since then, in addition to still working for the ERLC uh, as a journalist. And uh, and so, you know, uh, it's involved, uh, as Linda and you just talked about, it's involved people's lives. You know, it's um, uh, in, in, indeed, endurance is a community project. Mm. God in his wisdom and in his grace has given us the church as a gift uh, for many reasons, but uh, one of the major ones is to help us to endure, to uh, encourage one another, exhort one another, hold each other accountable. Um, I finished preaching through Hebrews earlier this year, mm. and uh, you know, the obviously endurance is a really significant theme in that book, and uh, and there are different places when. The writer of Hebrews talks about um, the importance of other people in our perseverance. In fact, in Hebrews 3.13, he says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so it's something that we're to do habitually, this exhortation and encouragement, uh, as well as to do it now while we have the opportunity to do it today. And and so the church is so vital, and um, you know the New Testament doesn't conceive of a Christian without a church, and uh, and we you know really need to serve one another and not not leave anybody behind. Mm. I I love hearing about your life because it sounds like faithful work and service, and this is the normal Christian life. We wake up and we. Sp- go to work and we serve and this is it this is it's the normal christian life and and so how do you endure and, and encourage endurance when when it's kind of 
um, the mundane or the same and right. ordinary. I think there can be a temptation for people to strive for extraordinary or something unique. And but most of us wake up and do the exact same thing. The laundry's mm-hmm. still there. The dishes still need to be washed. It's the same thing. And day after day. And how do we encourage that same faithfulness and in? And really specifically, perseverance in the faith as you are doing the same faithful work and service daily. It's interesting that you asked that question, Trillia. Yesterday I was meeting with uh, a few ladies as we were getting ready to start our study. And my prayer request has been that I would have intentionality in each day. Mm -hmm. And my prayer is that I would, before I go to bed at night... Just ask the Lord to give me the rest that I need for the next day to do whatever He has called me to do, and that I would not waste the time, but that morning that I would just be intentional to get up and to say, okay, Lord, who do you want me even just to text today to say, hey, I'm thinking about you, how can I pray for you, or who do you want me to call, or who do you want me to spend time with or minister to, that He would direct my path, and that I would follow that. Now, it looks different for me than it does the young moms in my church, (laughs) you know, or that I'm meeting with, because their day has a different type of order to it. Right. But it's still, how can we be intentional in each and every day that He gives us to live? I think as Tom and I have gotten older, we've talked about, you know, our days are not, I mean, all of our days are numbered, but ours probably have a shorter number (laughs) than a lot of people. Uh, that may be listening to this even. Mm. So just, but each day, how do we take it captive and how do we live for his glory? Mm. That's encouraging. And I I would say, Trillia, you know, um, I I, I think most of us, if not all of us as Christians, you know, we want to do great things. And we think maybe we even have an idea of what that looks like. I remember when we went out and a group of us started a church, you know, and I'm thinking in terms of growth numerically. And uh, and it, there's been some growth numerically, and now there's more of a decline numerically. And, and I had to realize, you know, uh, years ago, and I had to remind myself of it, you know, I, I need to be faithful to shepherd the people that God's given me, and I don't do that perfectly by any means. But, uh, you know, God's calling us to faithfulness. Uh, he can great, give great fruitfulness in no, numerical ways if he chooses to. Mm-hmm. And we certainly pray that God would grant more people to become disciples of Christ. But, uh, you know, it really is much of our lives, just like you said, are pretty simple, you know, and we just need to live out faithfulness, trusting in God, trusting in his word continuing to remind ourselves of the gospel, you know, uh, regularly. Yeah. I think that's important just to remind ourselves of the gospel regularly. There can be a temptation to think that the gospel is for the unbeliever, the person who doesn't mm-hmm. know. And, um, but it's for us every day. We need it. We need to be reminded of it so right. that we can keep going in the faith to, mm-hmm. to remind ourselves of the eternal significance of our ordinary days. Everything matters. Every minute matters. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's encouraging to me. And have you heard the term, um, 
the test of prosperity. Have you heard that term? I had not heard have not heard that before. Oh, so the test of prosperity is is kind of when everything's going great. <laughs> You can Mm -hmm. forget the Lord. I'm just summing it up. Mm -hmm. So prosperity can, times when there isn't suffering or trials that you see at least, can can bring about a sort of confidence in ourselves. There can be a temptation to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Self-preserving isn't the word, but we can... We can self-sufficient. There can be a temptation mm-hmm. to be self-sufficient, mm-hmm. and we can we can forget that we need God for every hour. Have you ever seen that or experienced that in as you're running this race and your um, ordinary days? Just a a testing of this, where you've had to remind yourself of your need for the Lord. Well, I think probably the phrase "test of prosperity" is a good one to remember because I think it's just pretty constant because I think I am prone to self-sufficiency, you know, to an independence or thinking at different times. Well, you know, uh, not even thinking about my dependence on God. I think that's a temptation that's there um, constantly. And, uh, And there are times when I realize, oh, God, I am so dependent upon you. Help me. And I, I need to live that out and remind myself of that and call out to him more often than I do, because sometimes I can be self-reliant and self-sufficient. And, um, and I mean, that is a real danger because we, you know, right now, uh, much of my life has not been faced with trials like some people have faced, whether it's physically or emotionally and uh, and I see the temptation and to just uh, get complacent mm-hmm. and self-sufficient, and it is something, you know, just even that thing we were just talking about, reminding ourselves of the gospel yeah. is a good way of reminding ourselves, hey, this isn't about you. It's um, you are totally dependent upon Christ. And uh, in the good times and the bad times, and it's not just, it seems to be easier to recognize our dependence when we're really going through a trial. And uh, and so during those times of uh, prosperity, uh, uh, we need to remember it's no different. We need to depend upon God totally then. Yeah. Linda, how would you encourage young people around you to enduring the faith? You know, of course, you've got to be in the Word. You got to spend time. You got to develop a prayer life. I think a lot. I, I hear other people say that's one of the hardest disciplines is meditating on God's word and having a really faithful prayer life. And those things, I mean, those are just crucial. They're like our our water and our air we breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think we take them for granted, just like we take those things for granted in our life. But also, I think. Really being in a plugged into your church, and I don't mean just being there on Sunday morning and doing this and that. It's developing relationships where there's accountability and there's encouragement and there's just someone that will come up to you as you know this phrase, how's your heart? 
Mm-hmm. I think you've got to have those kind of relationships with people and be able to communicate with one another. I'm really struggling with my faith. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just think we it's been hard for us to develop that. I think Tom and I have talked about this. Our generation, we can just be kind of stoic. Oh, I'm good. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. But yet we're never really open and honest about what's really going on so we can help each other. And part of endurance is having those people that come alongside you that say, you're right, I do need to pray for you about this. Or people that have the freedom. Uh, There's a young woman in our church that Sunday morning I just had the freedom to really confront on an issue, and she texted me back in the afternoon thanking me for taking the time to do that. And her response was so gracious. And she just said, I, I was convicted. I need to grow in this area. You're right about this. So I think it's finding people that will lovingly hold you accountable and be willing to do that. I need that in my own life. It's not just younger people. We all need that. I'm glad you said that. It isn't just younger people. We all need that. We need to remind ourselves of the truth. We need to be in our word. We need to be praying. And we need community. We need that. And we need reminders of encouragement. Well, as we end here, is there anything else that you think, okay, this is what has kept me um, clinging to the Lord all these years, and this is what will keep me till the end? You know, I think it is just indispensable that you continue to believe the Bible is the Word of God. You don't let seeds of doubt um, push into your mind and stay there. Um, I think that is just so needed um, that even if, you know, I would acknowledge I don't understand everything in God's Word, but I am believing, and I've had to I've definitely reaffirmed this over and over through the years, and God, uh, I'm trusting your word. This is, it's without error, it's infallible, it's totally trustworthy, and I can depend upon you. I think one really important thing is, um, and something that took me a while to learn, a long while really, is that living the Christian life is mean, means you're entering into a war, and uh, we shouldn't think that it's easy. We should expect there to be opposition uh, and uh, and recognize God's given us these gifts of His Word and of the Gospel and of the Church and the Holy Spirit to um, as means to help us to endure. Thanks for listening to Stories of Sacred Endurance. If you are enjoying it, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That will help more people discover and hopefully be encouraged by this podcast. And be sure to pick up a copy of my new book, Sacred Endurance, from InterVarsity Press. InterVarsity Press is offering podcast listeners 30% off the book through March 2020. Go to ivypress.com and use the code SACRED30 for 30% off and free shipping on your copy of Sacred Endurance. Thanks for listening.